Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we hear your words this morning to be mature, able to experience love and to give love to those around us. And Lord, it's not something we could possibly do on our own or we're meant to do on our own. And I pray today that you will be present to us to give us that gift. In your name we pray, amen. It's good to be with you this morning. It's a little chilly, a little fall-like. Um, we've had discussions in our house about whether fall is a good thing or a bad thing and whether we should love it or, or not love it and whether it's a signal of death or whether it's a time of life. So I don't know. But I like the fall. <laughs> I like the chill in the air. Um, I like the cozy feeling of being in my, my room with a cup of coffee or tea and some nice music playing. And, and it's good to be here with you too, um, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And today uh, we want to talk about maturity. It's not one of those words that we choke down easily, um, unless you're, I love listening to little, well, to me, little kids, sorry, little kids who are in junior high, but you know, you hear two kids saying, that is so immature, you know, and I just, it's not a good thing to be immature when you're in that position. Then you want to be mature, but you're not exactly sure how. Um, usually means to kind of give in to the other person somehow. Um, last week we had a vision reminder uh, of who we are called to be as light of Christ. Our vision is to reflect the light of Christ's love, hope, and healing to each other and to our community. And today, I want to flesh out just a little bit of how we want to carry out that mission in a particular way over the coming year. And one of the ways in which I want to challenge us and encourage us and exhort us is to uh, listen to what the author of Hebrews is telling us here, to, to be mature. Now, we have a unique mission field, I think, in our church. At least it feels unique to me. It's the mission field of the heart. We are missionaries here to broken hearts. That's how I like to think of it myself. Many of us are here because we were the mission field. Um, that's certainly my testimony here. Some of you know how we came from the mission field <laughs> in, in Israel and came here kind of broken and... Many of you have experienced similar journeys of bruised and wounded hearts, maybe, maybe bruised and wounded from broken relationships in our families or our marriages, maybe bruised and wounded by our sins and failures and addictions, maybe bruised and wounded hearts by trauma or painful things that have happened to us. Bruised and wounded hearts. That's our mission field. It's a hard mission field. Human hearts are beautiful and difficult. And we are missionaries. We're missionaries to our native land. We've come from these places and many of us have found the presence of Christ in a special way by being here together. So in a certain way, the mission field of the broken heart, that's our native language, right? We don't have to go and enter uh, a, uh, a language training school to be a missionary to the broken heart. Many of us have walked that pathway. God cares about broken hearts. In one of David's psalms, King David prayed this. He said, a broken heart, O God, you will not despise. 
We welcome people with broken hearts here. But at the same time, a broken heart that's transformed by love becomes very strong and very capable and able to share that love with other people. And God stitches that together in your own unique personal testimony. I love that metaphor you see sometimes in, in, in films of the, that Japanese tradition. I, I, I'm just assuming it's portrayed accurately, but you know when the teacup breaks and, and you glue it back together with special gold or painted glue, and it's even more beautiful after it's been broken and put back together than it was before. It's something special and unique to that teacup. I think that's special to me, and it's what happens in our testimony. A heart transformed by love is a mature heart. That's what a mature heart is. A heart that's been transformed by love. There's no other way to be mature. I mean, when you cut through all the brain science and all the, all the stuff that surrounds it, basically there's just no way to be mature without love. You can be a very competent person, you can try hard, but without the experience of love, you'll never really fully be mature. And that is our mission this year. Our mission this year as Light of Christ is to be mature. It's, as the author of Hebrews says here in chapter six, verse one, it's to go on to maturity. And the way to become mature is to experience love more fully, and that's our mission this year. Some of us are like, oh, that's a great mission. And others of us are like, I'm out of here, I can't take it, that's too scary. It requires commitment, doesn't it? To develop a strong personal relationship with Jesus, a secure, loving relationship with him and with other people. It's incredible to embrace that as a mission. It's not easy either. So let's look a little bit at our, our text this morning, which will come especially from Hebrews with the other supporting voices. Now, Hebrews is an incredible letter. If some of you have waded into Hebrews, it's very special. There's a lot of special allusions and metaphors uh, back into the Old Testament that make it a very rich text. And there's beautiful and tender ways of talking about Jesus. It's a special letter. Uh, we don't really know who actually wrote it. There are traditions about who wrote it, and I won't go off into that. So I'll talk about the author of Hebrews, or I'll just refer to Hebrews. Um, probably written to Jewish Christians, um, although that's a little unclear too, but um, it's, it's most likely that it was written to Jewish believers in Jesus. And really the key theme of Hebrews is that, is Jesus. Jesus is the one who restores our broken relationship with God the Father. So Hebrews is about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he's doing for us right now. There's some really remarkable passages about Jesus in this letter. In fact, I'll just to give you, just because I love it so much, I'll just read for you the first few verses. Long ago and, many, and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God. And it goes on. It's just such beautiful words about Jesus um, and what the author of Hebrews is saying is this, I want you to be mature in your knowledge and experience of Jesus. 
I don't want that to be unfamiliar to you. I want you to know who he is and what he's done and how he's present to you right now. I want you to love him. I want you to experience that love. I want you to be mature in that love, able to describe it, able to bear witness to it, able to share it with somebody else. And this passage here that we're reading this morning uh, is talking to leaders in particular and maybe a subset of the audience, those who had special perhaps a responsibility to teach, but I think this passage is applicable to all of us because I think all of us can be in a certain way leaders in our domains of the love of God. We're all able to be mature. We're able to become experiencing God's love for us. And there's a challenge here that the author of Hebrews is bringing to this audience of leaders in this context. He's saying, you know, there's a problem though. You're called to be mature, but you're dull of hearing. You're dull of hearing. He's not saying you're stupid. He's not saying a lot of things that could be said. He's saying you're you're cloudy. You can't, the, the information isn't getting through doesn't say exactly why, but I know in our context I can make some conjectures about why we become dull of hearing. We get bored or distracted. We have a lot of inconsistent or wrong ideas about things based on a lot of reasons, our experience and, and just you know, misinformation or, or even lies that we've come to believe. We might be really disappointed with God. Um, we might be really anxious. There's a lot of reasons why the receptors get closed and, and we become dull of hearing, not able to hear and to receive the love of God the way that we could be. And one of the great challenges that this author is addressing in this letter is another thing that causes dullness of hearing is we pull away from relationships. And that was starting to happen in this community. They were starting to not meet and gather together. They were starting to not be together. And one of the values that we embrace in our church, and I'll come back to this again, is being together the right way creates a capacity for hearing and for maturity. And so the author of Hebrews says, guys, it's time to go back to square one. Um, he says, for though at this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. He's saying, okay, let's, let's go back to basics about what it means to start the journey of becoming mature. And uh, this is most essential for us in the treatment of broken hearts where do you begin to treat a broken heart? Well, we're to start with the milk of the gospel. And what happens when you drink the milk of the gospel is you mature. It's just what happens when you feed properly, when you feed an infant. They grow, don't they? They grow fast. <laughs> the baby's born, and then it's just going through those diaper sizes. Like, wait a second, we're already in the next diaper size. <laughs> it's a glorious thing. That's what babies do. They grow when you feed them well. Um, but 
there's a condition here that the author of Hebrews is addressing, and you can see it in, in verse 13. What is it, what's their condition here in verse 13? Well, um, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. They're unskilled, they're untried or inexperienced. They have a lack of practice. I love watching somebody who's skilled in things. It almost doesn't matter what it is. I just love watching somebody who's a real craftsman. When I was in college, um, I got bored playing football, so I was just gonna do nothing, and some of my friends who were on the track team said, well, you should join the track team. And I'm, I am not fast. I can't jump at all. I'm, you know, I didn't, I tried throwing the, uh, the shot put once. That was really, well, I'm glad it was not videotaped. Let me just put it that way. I didn't hurt anybody. Although, they said, well, throw the javelin because nobody throws the javelin anywhere. So if you throw the javelin, you're automatically on the team. And so I threw the javelin for a few years on the track team, and I, I did manage not to kill anybody there, um, which, was, which was a triumph. But what I loved, really, was just going to the track meets and watching highly skilled athletes do things that I couldn't imagine. I saw a guy jump six nine, six, six feet nine inches. I, I can't even fath- I can't even imagine what that feels like, uh, you know, to jump over something that that's tall. You know, I really enjoy that. I love watching musicians. I love watching builders. I love watching the people who come and fix things at my house, and they do it well. It's just something to see somebody who's done that. They are skilled in that because they've done it over and over and over again the right way, and they're good at it. And the author of Hebrews is wanting to say you can be that skilled in the experience of receiving and giving love. That's how you become mature. That's what the word of righteousness is describing. The words of righteousness are words which have the character of righteousness. Righteousness is a, is a big word, but it essentially kind of means something like being in right relationship, things being in their right place. It has to do with the righteousness of God, which is always good, always the right way. It's hard to even get our minds around a word like that. But to be skilled in words of righteousness is to be experienced in being the right way at the right time in the right place. It's to be well-equipped with knowing what it's like to be in God's presence. And when we're like that, when we are in God's presence that way, we can become skilled in it. We're like a child uh, who is just receiving. Now, in this sense, the comparison to the child is a little bit of a critique, saying you, you, you want to grow. Uh, we don't want you to be childlike in the wrong way, um, where the child's not mature and they can't handle a lot. We'll get to it in a second. We'll get to what it's like to be childlike in the right way. But here, we can be stuck in a childlike state, which means that we get overwhelmed and we can't handle a lot. That's where many of us are in our emotions, in our hearts, in our capacity, in our experience. We don't have a lot of capacity. We can't handle a lot. We, and that's what it, we, this is what it kind of feels like. We don't know how to quiet ourselves when we're distressed. Once that distress motor goes, it just doesn't stop. We don't know how to calm ourselves down well. It's like the kid who falls off the bike and cries and just keeps crying. 
unless somebody's there to help him. We don't know how to care well for ourselves when we're in that kind of childlike state. We don't know how to care for ourselves. We can do some things. We can tie our shoes and kind of brush our teeth, but there's a lot that we can't do. And if parents were to go away for the weekend and leave their five-year-old there, they could do some things, but there's a lot that they can't do, and they would find that overwhelming and even dangerous. Emotionally, we can be like that. There are some things we can do, and, and there are just some things we really don't know how to take care of ourselves well emotionally. A child doesn't have discernment or wisdom and that's because they just haven't experienced a lot and they have a lot of faulty ideas. They think things are a certain way and they're actually not. They just don't know that yet. That's why you don't trust children with certain things. Um, you know, children are not able to vote. They're not able to drive. They're not able to participate in the world of the adults yet because they wouldn't know how to navigate the complexity of it. Emotionally, we can be like that. We lack discernment and wisdom. We think we're on the right pathway, but we're really not. And what the author of Hebrews is saying, God is calling you out of that experience and into something more full, more complete, more mature. This journey, by the way, of being immature is very common. We're all experiencing levels of immaturity. This is not something to be ashamed of. This has nothing to do with talent or effort or determination or your character or, or your value. What could be more valuable than a baby? What could have more worth than an infant? All right, so to say that we're in a state of immaturity is not to say anything about how are the value that we have or the integrity of our lives as we're fighting these battles. You know, I can certainly relate to feelings of immaturity myself. The older I get, the more I realize how much I failed. Sometimes you feel less mature the older you get because you just have more bad experiences the older you get. Broken relationships, a mixed bag at work, not the best spouse in the world. I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. Don't even get me started on my finances. The older I get, the immaturity just compounds. You know, I, th I think we can, a lot of us can relate to that, can't we? And so now the author of Hebrews is saying, I want you to be mature, and we're like, wait a second. I can hardly even manage my life, and now you're asking me to step up to the plate at church to demonstrate some sort of spiritual maturity? God forbid even some leadership? To make a contribution? Yes, absolutely. Every single person in this room who has confessed faith and trust in Jesus Christ can become mature in love and share that love with other people. Every single person. Children grow to become adults through experience. That's how they grow. Yes, we feed them, but that's the bare minimum. How does a child become an adult? Through having the right kind of experiences, the right kind of experiences. You know, in the work world, I'd love to hear somebody, oh, I've got 30 years, 30 years of experience. 
Okay, but <laughs> what kind? You know, what if you did everything really badly? Um, you know, it's not that old saying, practice makes perfect, it's perfect practice makes perfect. Any of you who are musicians, my wife's a musician, and any of you who have given lessons know that practicing the, ba- the wrong thing over and over again is really bad <laughs> and really hard to correct. And I am probably the worst offender in this and almost everything I do. I end up finding out that I practice it the wrong way and have to change. Um, it's the right kind of experience that causes maturity. The kind of experience that causes a child to grow is the experience of enjoying secure, loving relationships with parents and other mature adults who are glad to be with them and able to help them return from distress to joy. That's what creates a mature adult. What creates a mature adult is that the child from the beginning experiences a secure and loving relationship with their parents and other mature adults who are glad to be with them and able to help them return from distress to joy in healthy ways. That's golden when that happens. And that's what we're all about here. Now that applies to all of us when we are caught up in the trouble of our broken hearts. Jesus teaches all of us that there's a right way to be a child in the kingdom of heaven, like our gospel reading today, that you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven unless you enter as a little child, full of need, incapable of self-care, not able to save itself, completely dependent on the love of the Father, trusting himself to the Father in simple love and delight. And notice what Jesus does for these children and that he's offering to do to each and every one of us. He took them, he blessed them, and he laid his hands on them. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus takes us, he blesses us, and he lays his hands on us. He embraces us. That's what Jesus did, as we heard this morning in John 3.16 in our Sunday school. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For those children in Jesus' lap, it's a whole body experience, and it's a whole body experience for us too where Jesus reaches out and gathers in and speaks personally. A blessing is a personal word about the integrity of your life and the security of it in Christ. A blessing means that I, a blessing is is when God himself says, I have a special purpose for your life that I will bring to completion. Your life in particular matters, and I'm blessing you specifically. And that word from Jesus will be fulfilled. That's the sort of love that heals broken hearts, that restores peace to us when we're in distress, that helps us overcome our fear or our loneliness, our sin and that actually helps us become mature. That's solid food, the author of Hebrews says. We all need to redo our rites of passage with Jesus Christ. Rites of passage are 
not so common in our culture anymore, but maybe you can think of some of them in, you know, in, that you may have experienced. You, know, you, you get to sit when you're a kid at the special place in the car or at the dinner table. You're able to go on that trip with dad by yourself. You get your driver's license, the first day of college or the first day of your new job day you got married, the day you became a parent, those are all kind of rites of passage that if they're handled well, build maturity. For Christians, we have specific rites of ba- passage. Baptism is the first one, our, our sacrament of new birth. Some of us may have gone through something like confirmation, another rite of passage where you verbally express your faith in Jesus Christ in the community of the body of believers. Or maybe some of us have experienced a baptism of the Holy Spirit where we experienced in in a new and fresh way the personal anointing or experience of Jesus in our lives inwardly. Maybe some of us have had the experience of sharing our faith or even of leading another person to faith in Jesus Christ. That's a powerful thing to be a part of. That's kind of a rite of passage. That kind of experience teaches us that God knows us, that God loves us, that he provides for us, that our lives matter to him, that there's a purpose to our lives, that we're blessed. Many of us in our family lives of origin or in our spiritual lives haven't really had healthy rites of passage on the way to spiritual maturity. And you can't just do that on your own. You need other people to do that with. Rites of passage are community experiences. You do that with your family, with your parents, with your friends, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's something that you do together. And that's something that our church is called to do for each other is to help us relive or re-experience or redo our rites of passage on the way to maturity. That's the meat that, Paul's, that uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about here. The powers of discernment trained by constant practice. And the, uh, the fruit of that is you distinguish, and this is a hallmark of maturity, good from evil. Mature people can tell the difference between what's good and what's evil. And there is a crisis in our culture on this point. Our culture is confused terribly at every level. And it's because we can't tell the difference between what's good and what's evil. There's a crisis of maturity in our culture. There's a crisis of elders, a lack of elders, of wise people that can guide us. And Christ is calling each one of us here to contribute into that mission field of confusion by being mature in love, which will help us distinguish what is good from what is evil. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying here, that maturity leads to. Children who experience secure and loving relationships with their parents are more discerning. They know that they're valuable to someone and that they have worth and dignity. Children know that if they grow up in a loving home. They experience more peace and security. 
They receive deeply the values of the ones who love them and the ones they trust. A secure child in a loving home will be less apt to break the values of that home because they know them and love them and trust them. And in our community at Light of Christ, as we experience the love of God together, we too will be formed exactly the same way. Just by being here in Christ's presence and in the presence of one another, we are learning how to discern what's good from what's bad. We're becoming mature. So the author of Hebrews says, I want you to move on to maturity. I want to just finish today by introducing something to you that I want to encourage each one of us to be a part of over the next year. I'm very excited to bring this forth. I'm not going to be able to do justice and describe all the details of what I'm about to share, so I'm just going to give us a taste. But I want to introduce you to something that we've been piloting in our leadership and among others in our church. Uh, um, I want to share something with you that I hope every one of you will be a part of over the course of the next year. It's a small group model. It's actually called, or originates in a, a community that's called Life Model. And uh, I'll be very kind of short here, but the life model is a community that's formed over the last 30 or 40 years uh, based on the work of um, a couple of key uh, scholars and pastors and counselors who have learned how to integrate some of the new things we've learned through brain science with very rich biblical study. So basically the brain science part is just simply, it's basically substantiating what we already know. It's just that we know it a lot better now. What happens to us when we experience trauma? What happens to us when we grow up in dysfunctional situations or when we've experienced pain? And one of the things we've learned is that if you've experienced something like that, you just can't think your way out of it. Uh, you also have to experience love in the very places of that wounding. And this group that we've, uh, we've kind of um, been more uh, uh, um, made aware of and been fellowshipping with a, li- a little bit over the, the last couple of years, the Life Model Works has developed a, a, an array of different resources for the church. And uh, those resources are really, really wonderful, and there are a lot of them, and I won't go into all of that. Like I said, we'll roll some of this out to you, but the one I want to highlight today and feature today is our small group program, and uh, the, uh, the, 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 the program is called Connexus. Connect, I think, is the, the operative word there, and there are different modules that you start with, um, uh, and we, we are now in the third and final module, or they're developing some more, uh, that we've piloted, and it's just life-changing for all of us who have been a part of it. Um, the first one is called Restarting, and uh, the Restarting group is especially geared for people who are struggling with addiction or know somebody close to them who is. And, uh, and the, it applies um, the, uh, the gospel and the other things that uh, we've learned about how we experience the gospel, uh, particularly for people who are experiencing that sort of journey. The, the next model is called forming, and it applies the same kind of principles, but uh, for just a wider audience. 
And, uh, and then the last module is called belonging, where what you've learned personally, you start to learn how to share in your community. And uh, we started engaging with this material, like I say, several years ago, and uh, among our leadership, and then we, we brought it out a little bit uh, more into some of the others in our church who could really benefit from those materials. And we're now wanting to roll that out to our entire congregation. And uh, again, some of you have already been able to experience the, uh, the life model process. For me personally, it's just been, it's, it's had an extraordinary impact in my capacity to experience the love of Jesus Christ personally and to receive love from others. I, I've probably grown more in the last couple of years uh, in this process and in this journey uh, than, than I have for decades. Of just the, the healing, the, the solidarity I've had with brothers and sisters in Christ who are sharing this journey with me. And I've been able to share in the journey of other people well. And it's maturing us. I mean, we haven't even tried. It wasn't a goal. It's just happening. And, and we decided as leaders that this was so rich and so helpful for the kind of church that we are that we want to really enable and equip ourselves to bring this out to everyone. One of the challenges that we had was that um, was just capacity. And so what we're doing right now is we're doing a project, uh, we're, we're doing a forming group. I can't remember how many lessons, it's about 14 to 6, 12. Uh, it's a 12-week process, and we're doing a forming group right now um, with, the, with the hope that the participa participants in our group now will be prepared then to lead groups of their own after Christmas. So right now, I just want to start to make you aware of it. You're going to hear a lot more about it. Okay, so uh, I don't have the time right now, and I'm already over time, to, uh, to share with you all about that. You can certainly talk to me after the service today, but we're going we're gonna to bring more resource and information to you about Life Model Works and the resources and everything as time goes on, and we'll share some testimonies, and we'll have people you know, in our church talk about their experience of it. But I just want you to be thinking yourself, and this is my challenge, and I'll close with this. I want you to be thinking about your maturity, and I want to strongly encourage you to make it a priority that over the next year, especially, in, you know, starting from January, that you will make it a priority to join a, a forming group. Uh, I say you're going to hear more about that as time goes on, but I'd love to think that all of us will be able to do this together as a church and create a community of belonging where our hearts receive love and where, where we are mature in giving love and where our capacity to be missionaries to broken hearts just grows and strengthens over time. So um, I'll close with that. I want all of us to know, I want this to be, you know, I want this to sink deeply that maturity comes from knowing the love of Jesus Christ. All of us are called to experience that love. And I just want us to be um, able to say yes to him, to his grace, to experience the presence of Jesus Christ as a loving invitation that we can all say yes to because he's done everything for us and has given everything to us so that we could experience that love today. Amen.